The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Featuring personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as educators, sex-positive personalities, and other amazing people sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is our own wonderful human with the questions, John or as he is known around the kink and fetish community. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and to our listeners, welcome. Today, we are graced to be joined by a powerful mistress who towers above her subjects and brings a wealth of knowledge to the scene from Los Angeles to Oklahoma. Mistress Mia Dark is a six foot three Amazon hailing from Oklahoma. She calls herself a mature BBW who first got into the lifestyle in her early 20s in Chicago, Illinois, and turned it into a profession in 2013. Now, nearly 20 years later, she's still here. She was trained in a house that believed that you cannot be in a position of power without knowing what it's like to be in the position of submission. So her first role in BDSM was as a submissive in a poly household of 11 individuals. Dominance has always come to her naturally, not because of the clothes that she wears or the parties that she attends, but more because of the mindset of, quote, I can do it for myself. So what is it you possibly have to offer, unquote? Because of her size and stature and demeanor, she excels at particular types and styles of domination, including but not limited to ABDL, extreme corporal punishments, lift and carry, interrogations, race play, and much more. She also loves to indulge in role play and cosplay scenes and sessions, especially with her nerdcore clientele. In May of 2018, she was honored by being asked to be the mistress of ceremonies at DomCon in Los Angeles. This along with speaking on the subjects of polyamory and people of color in kink and fetish are some of the highlights of her career. And she's also one of the teachers and resident doms at Sanctuary LAX when she gets out to the left coast. In the aspect of lifestyle domination, she's a proud member of multiple organizations and play spaces, including Club Femme DFW in Dallas, Fort Worth, Impact of Memphis, and Expressions of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mistress Mia Dark on what women and other wonderful humans want.
they are the questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five, and it starts now. First time you realized that you were always going to be the tallest person in the room. When every picture of me from grade school through high school, I was always standing in the back. Did you it's enjoy your height? When I was younger, no. I was last picked or I was absolutely first picked. It was always because of my size. So I kind of let that one go. First time you ever picked up an implement of kink, what was it and how did you use it? Oh, this is good. Let me try to make my brain work. There's a lot of pot in there. If I remember correctly, like the first time I remember picking up anything, it was a paddle. And it was at a party of the man that would a couple weeks later own me. I took a picture with it. <laughs> I think that's as far back as I can really remember. Anything other than that, I wouldn't have known it was an implement, so to say. I would have been just like, oh, I picked up a ping pong paddle and hit somebody with it. Mm, that felt nice. Or at least it didn't feel as wrong as I was told that it was. Mm -hmm. First time you were able to switch from submissive to dominant and how it made you feel. Oh, I talked about this on another issue with someone else. Uh... It was me getting to top for the first time and me actually using some of the things that I had learned from my master at the time. And it was exhilarating. It was over the top. I am absolutely in control. I really, really, really like this feeling and I don't want to stop. I had learned how to rein it in a lot, but yeah. That was really the first time, and I was like, oh, man. Like, when you leave with the shapes, like, everybody's used to hearing subspace as a colloquialism tossed around, but, like, a lot of people don't know about, like, that dom high and that dom drop, and to have both of them run so parallel to each other so quickly in rotation, like, it can, it can throw you off a little bit. Like, I'm fine. You're fine. This is fine. We're fine. Sub gets up, goes away with the juice box. Here I sit, all alone. No one's petting my head. Boy, I really need a juice box right now. But man, that was a rush. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize the aftercare that doms need. And that's why I prefer to play hard with my personal submissives, because they all know, like, yeah, mama's going to need a cookie and a foot rub. Maybe a shoulder rub. She's been doing a lot of flogging. Yeah, I, I I appreciate my personals. They get it. They understand. If they didn't get it when they first showed up, they definitely understand now. Time you ever saw an image of you that made you realize this is who I truly am. I was living in the middle of nowhere 
you want to actually be at Memphis, Tennessee, at a section they call Orange. And it was me, my houseboy, my husband, my dog, his two extreme cats living in a little two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment. And that life had just really started becoming a thing. And they're like, oh, it's going to be like Facebook, but for kinky people. And I was like, oh, yeah, I went on this train. Uh, didn't realize uh, at the time, uh, Collar Space used to be where everybody kind of linked up and found each other. And uh, they only required like a picture to put up there. And that was it, like for an avatar. It wasn't like actual Facebook and like, oh, you have an avatar picture and then you have like a gallery full of other pictures and people that I knew that put their stuff up like had tons of pictures, pictures of them playing, all dressed up. And I was like, I have nothing. So my husband got me this very pretty, if you look way back, the very telling of my pictures on FetLife, uh, a very pretty pink and black, kind of overbust corset and a lot of biscuit boobs going on where it looks like they're just popping right out at you. Uh, but it was it, it was a picture that was taken on the front porch. I was wearing that, a tutu, tutu and a pair of heels, I believe, and some thigh highs. And my houseboy, I'll also, if referring to him again, call him my son. Uh, he will, he was the one who took the picture. And when I saw it on FetLife against like, the other pictures that I had loaded up there, I was like, oh yeah, I want to look like this all the time. If at all possible. Beautiful story. First time you stood on the stage at DomCon looking out over the audience, what were you feeling? Crying on the inside and trying not to show it on the outside. Like, yeah, uh, you have to understand it was a really big honor for me. I had never been given something, I don't know if everybody would consider it as prestigious, but I did. I still do. Uh, and I was absolutely crying. My mom had passed not too long before. And like, this is one of those, like, I did it kind of moments. And I was like, supremely over the top happy with myself like uh, a lot of people tell you I'm not one to pat myself on the back but I like gave myself an intense Swedish massage after that one like I drank a bottle of champagne there was a whole magazine that had me as the center scene cover or the center scene for the uh, program that year and my ad was really way nicer my son did a great job uh and like it was one of those like ooh. I did something, did something moments. And I'm so damn happy. I'm not even going to lie. I was so obscenely kid at a candy store. You just drove past like every McDonald's to end up at Disneyland kind of happy. Love that description. A lot more to come with Mistress Mia Dark as we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want and we're presented by Dating Kinky. We do this show without paid advertisers and provide it to you as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, 
as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash thanks-catsuit. Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and on FetLife at www.podcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy, as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to what women and other wonderful humans want, presented by Dating Kinky. Thank you, Noki, and welcome back to the program, joined by Mistress Mia Dark, who currently calls Oklahoma home. But you also spend a lot of time in Los Angeles in a place called Sanctuary LAX. What's yes. the difference between, and I know this sounds like a really silly question, but what's the difference in the vibe between Oklahoma and Sanctuary? As far as session work is concerned, it's completely different. Uh, I, like you said, I'm here in Oklahoma with Texas hat. I deal with a lot of Texans and Midwesterners and folks in the SEC conference. So completely different mode from when I'm out in LA. Uh, the main difference I get is the semi-formal, unformal kind of culture shock I get every time I go, like, I've been in Oklahoma for 13 years this October, and it never phases me. I always act like I'm dumb and a turnip that fell directly off of that truck. Uh, and I just, I'm like, how does it take an hour to go 20 miles? How? Why is your gas almost $6? This is ridiculous. How do y'all live like this? I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> the other thing is here at home, my sessions, I can span them out more. 
if I don't feel like taking sessions, I don't have to. I have I have put enough into my career that now I can sit back and be like, I would love to, but I've booked the part of the week that I'm going to be working and the rest of this is for me. I have not done that as of late. Uh, I just got back from LA after being out there for a little bit over a month and a half. Uh, then got to Dallas and did another week and then finally made it home. So two months later, I'm back in my own house and my own bed with my own very weird, very needy dogs. Uh, and it's not like that when I'm out there. I get to hang out with my friends and do cool stuff while working like a crazy person. A crazy, crazy, demented, I don't need sleep. I just need coffee and the dew of the universe and like a case of Red Bulls. Thank you very much, whoever brought me the Red Bulls. <laughs> when you're in the dungeon, I would expect that the submissives that come to see you in Los Angeles obviously have a different background than the ones in Oklahoma. Which are more interesting to play with? You know what? I'll tell you the truth. Most people would probably say it would be L.A., but Midwesterners always surprise me. L.A., you kind of figure out this is, this is the nitty-gritty. This is going to be the weirdest of the weird. No, they're really not. They... I am a very distinct size, shape, height woman. No one's really coming to me for a soft touch at all. <laughs> uh, so my sessions in LA tend to be for my height. The fact that I can pick up a man that can max out at about six foot three, six foot four, so my size, and about 200 and 50 pounds, which is just a little bit lighter than I am. And I can toss you around like a rag doll. When I'm here or I'm in Dallas or Houston, oh, Houston, Houston, it is all the hay. Somebody told me, told another guy, told his friend, told his barber that you have an elaborate collection of dildos. Might I be able to see those? <laughs> And it'll be some very well-dressed, look like he just escaped from Dallas circa 1995, JR got shot, kind of looking guy. Someone's, usually someone's grandpa, like, oh, I remember when I used to be able to take one of these. Like, yeah, I wonder if I still got it in me. And I'm like, I swear. And it's always the conservative states. Every time I was raised in Mississippi from the age of 14, every time. They always come up with the weirdest stuff, the most random fetishes. I'm sure if you've heard any of my other uh, podcasts or written interviews that I've done, you've read about the uh, three young ladies that when they were in Nashville, they were young men. But when they were in Memphis with me and my friend, they were young ladies and how they started a whole buck, a bunch of ruckus. And it ended up with split leatherette skirts and, 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 just ridiculousness the whole way down because well some people just can't hold their booze or keep their skirt down and i have a lot of those moments when dealing with like the midwest and the mid-south in california i have a lot of guys who want me to wrestle them because they want to take on the pepsi challenge i have a lot of guys who are into 
heavier bondage, or at least I'm starting to get more clients and people who want to do scenes with me of heavier bondage. Uh, another reason why I love being at Sanctuary, they're set up for just about everything and I don't have to come with 300 pounds worth of bags that I had to pay another $500 for. Uh, also, when I'm here in Oklahoma, it's kind of a one-woman show. When I'm in LA, it's like visiting the family for business or visiting the family while on a business trip. And I dig it. Are Oklahomans and Texans more adventurous? By leaps and bounds. <laughs> the Why did I know that? Yes, the things that are adventurous in L.A. are like, what kind of drugs are you getting fucked up on? Not like anybody ever thought you weren't on drugs. That kind of a feeling. Like, we know y'all like lollies and stuff like that and there's a lot of porn that's come from that state as a whole and we kind of figured out what you're into almost damn near as a whole there will always be niche markets and little pockets of people who are into their own thing but they tend to stay exactly that little so when it ends up not being like someone going on a bender behind something like it was a fetish, but it wasn't one that he was willing to walk across broken glass for. I've mm -hmm. had some clients that were willing to do that. I walk across broken glass. I've never tried that before. Yeah, that kind of adventures. As a six foot four, 245 pound person, I get in just under the limit there. <laughs> I could not imagine being picked up by anyone, let alone an amazing Dom. Is there a certain fascination that you have with the ability to literally manipulate your submissives and your play partners in such a physical way? The thing with that question that comes to mind with me the most is the fact that I've always been a bully, but a very nice bully. I use my bullying for good and not evil. Like, I wouldn't let other kids who were smaller than me get bullied when I was a kid because I would totally go up against those kids, even if they were bigger than me, and, and, and try to throw down with them, either physically or, like, we're going to fuss and cuss at each other as much as, like, seventh to ninth graders are able to do. Uh, but there's something about being able to physically dominate over a man that always comes in like first place in my heart. Like I have some hate. I do not hate men before anyone decides to scream. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, but when seen as the pinnacle, being able to dominate over a man that's my size or larger just makes me so goddamn happy. I don't know what to do with myself. And like to a point that I damn near can't describe. Uh, it's like finding out that there's a little bit of orange juice left inside the container, but it's just enough for the glass that you were trying to fill up. Yes, it's that kind of feeling. I don't know why I'm so happy about this moment, but I am very happy about this moment. And it's not just those moments of like, 
I'm able to physically dominate over you while you're tied up and held down. Uh, when I was just recently in LA, I had a client that came from Zurich and he came for me to pick him up and toss him around. And I know he's about six foot tall, maybe about 230, 240 pounds, middle-aged guy. But the fact that I was wearing six inch platform heels while I was doing it on mats, that's the part. And as long as somebody's willing to indulge me and pay me, preferably both things at the same time, <laughs> I can be happy damn near on demand. I love I love fetish wrestling sessions. I was always a big wrestling kid when I was younger. Me and my dad used to watch together all the time. It's one of my fondest memories of being with him on Saturday and Sunday mornings. And like, I wouldn't trade that feeling in for damn near anything else. I'm curious, who were the wrestlers you watched growing up? Oh, I used to love like Coco Beware and Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. I know everybody always says Hulk Hogan. My dad was very big about Hulk Hogan. But I really used to like uh, before Shawn Michaels got really big when he was one of the rockers. Him and Marty Jannetty. Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 the British Bulldog. Absolutely. Anything that came from the Hart Foundation was absolutely gold. There was no way that old angry man was not making like the fittest people that ever wrestled on the planet <laughs> with a lot of trauma. But they turned out the way he wanted them to turn out. Uh, but my absolute favorite, and it always. Some people I say it. I fucking loved Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> he was the he was the epitome of what I always felt like on the inside, but he blatantly wore it on the outside while being one of the best good guys in the league and one of the few people that during WWF all the way through WWE never turned heel. Which That's is hard to do. Which is Art. interesting, yeah, which is interesting because I remember seeing Hacksaw Jim Duggan teaming with Ted DiBiase in the old Mid-South Territory in Oklahoma, where he was a nasty bad guy. Yes, he was. <laughs> but never while with WWE, WWF, it was always when touring with other companies because Vince McMahon and his dad were not going to go for it. He was their best-selling babyface all the way through his like late 20s, early 30s, and into his mid-30s. Like He was one of the best-selling like mid or top roster tickets that they had. So trying to turn him heel... That's a lot of money to maybe be missing out on when we know exactly how much control money we have whenever this man shows up to an arena or a stadium. I know when I was a kid, the first time I ever saw him was out at, oh, was that Richmond? Yeah, Richmond, Ohio at the old Coliseum. Mm. We used to go out there for wrestling and monster trucks and <laughs> Barnum and Bailey Circus when it was still a full-blown thing. Uh, Yeah. I was a typical 80s kid. Like we, I, I had a key to my house. I came in by or before the time the lights came on on the streets. 
We had dinner promptly at six, what you did between six in the summer and about nine o'clock in the evening is completely up to you, but don't do it in and out of the door because you're letting the air conditioning out, kid. Mm -hmm. How much of that region really defined who you are, or do you feel like your personality is even bigger than that? My husband likes to call me a social chameleon. And that's what I think I am. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, raised in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi, went to college right before you get to uh, Tennessee and Memphis, married a guy from Memphis, moved to Oklahoma, and a bunch of random things in between. It's the randomness in between that kind of <laughs> laid out the story more than like the key plot points. It's always those like second and third line stories and no one sees coming, but boy, when they show up, howdy, it is a party. Like domination came in between like last time staying in Mississippi before I went to college and right after I got done being with a certain guy that I totally shouldn't have been with. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was a doofus. I was dumb and didn't know any better. And those two things do not make well for good relationships or relationship goals. Mm -hmm. So I got on down and moved from Columbus, Mississippi over to Chicago with my uncle and found this wonderful world of BDSM, fetish and leather and all the other boxes that people love putting us in. And I haven't wanted to jump out of the boxes yet. So I think I'm doing pretty good. What was the first place that you practiced your BDSM? Because I do know from your biography, it was many, many months of being a submissive before learning to move to the other side of the paddle. Uh, yes, I I wanted nothing to do with being a submissive or submission in itself, unless I was going to be the person in control. And I knew that the first time I ever got whacked and it made me remember being with my father and getting an ass whooping for somebody else fucking up. And I was like, I do not like this. I do not like this at all. But then I was given the option of, well, if you do this for X amount of time and you work well inside of the household, we don't have no problems. I'll teach you how to do what I'm doing. And just like signing off on student loan paperwork, <laughs> you jump through that hoop to get the thing you really want because you're like, this is going to pay off in the end. Can I say that all the ass whoopings that I took in that little over a year were worth it? Yes. Yes, I can. Because there are things that I will never do to someone, even with their consent. There are some lines that I will not cross, even for any certain amount of men. And I think that's what makes me a better dominant because I literally had to do that walk in the shoe. Now, the first time I ever had what I would consider as a client would still have been when I was in Chicago when I got done with John's training program. And that was the gentleman that I flawed because we like being overpowered by gigantic black women. Uh, I know that 
it felt to me like it was very cathartic to that man. And it was very cathartic to me because I finally realized that I was no longer on the end of the leash. Like, I don't know if anybody else has ever had this feeling as a submissive when either you go switch or you go top. Uh, you're just waiting for somebody to hit you in the back of the head with a flip-flop. It's that kind of feeling. Well past that, like, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of the deal. It's like, I'm literally waiting for another human being to come up and be like, ha-ha, we tricked you. Kind of a deal. And when I got done with that whole little piece of time that we had with each other and John was standing there or sitting there watching and he didn't throw anything at me, he didn't say anything out of the way, he was completely quiet. I got done, got the guy some water and 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 sent him back to the party that John was having and he told me he was proud of me and that I didn't fuck up. And I was like, like, thank you. I still called him sir. I called him sir even after I left his house. Because like you get a certain amount of respect from the people who give you the skills to be able to maintain yourself and get through life a little bit better than you probably would have on your own amazing skill set that we are not born with. Uh, And I was very proud to have somebody be proud of me again. Because at the time, I did not feel that kind of proud from anybody else. Mia, you're probably the first guest that I have had in 175 episodes Uh that I have heard the story of a male being your mentor. That's amazing to me because... I can imagine the difference between being trained by a male and a female. I'll tell you the truth. I really don't. Just because of I got caught up in a whirlwind of like some of the best circumstances. It was almost like a movie. It felt like a movie. It was a tale of fuck around and find out. And then I found out and then I found out something else and I found out something about myself. And it's been like the past 20 plus years of finding out new shit about myself and the people around me. And none of that would have happened without her. The main reason I feel that I did not have a female mentor is if I did have a female mentor, I'd want her to be black like me. And we just didn't have a whole lot of those 20 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. So I got leveled up like a Pokemon by the shortest, roundest, gayest white guy in Chicago. My my own personal thoughts only. Wow. He, he was flamboyant. He was amazing. He was smart. He was charitable. He was all the things that you think rich people aren't. And I think he was trying to set a trend that nobody else wanted to pick up on. And he was totally okay with that, too, because... He genuinely was a person I knew that marched by the beat of their own dream. One of the few spirits I knew that ever walked on this planet or probably ever will walk this planet that actually did it. Not did it because like, oh, it looks very trendy to be your own person right about now. <laughs> Look at me as I'm being my own person. No, it was him being his own person because he didn't give a fuck. He had the kind of money. He didn't have to worry about anybody fucking else. He didn't worry about people worrying about him being gay. He didn't worry about people worrying about him and his Calvin Klein's that had his initials on him so no one could steal his underwear because he would be randomly weird like that. 
He didn't care if you did or didn't like his suits. He didn't care if you did or didn't like his house. He didn't care if you did or didn't like his family that he chose and the family that came along. What he did care about was either you respect him or get out. You don't have to be in his presence. And that is a very, very, very big lesson that I learned. I don't have to deal with this shit. And I don't give a fuck what kind of money you're making. You do not have to deal with other people and their ridiculousness if you don't want to. And if I've learned nothing else from that man, I learned that. Did you transform while knowing him or have you always been this very strong presence? Oh, fuck no. That was absolutely a him thing. That was a him thing. Like other points that I've made on other shows and in other interviews, my father told me younger, much younger than I many, many, many ago, that I wasn't going to be pretty like my sisters. I was already taller than him and my mom by the time I was 13. So I wasn't going to have boys beating down my door or some man that was going to want to take care of me forever. So I better get some real life, real world skills. So I did. And I figured out a way to be halfway pretty. Most of the people that we think are gorgeous, if you saw them when they woke up in the morning with crust in their eyes and goo in the corner of their mouth, you would not find them sexually appealing. A lot of Photoshop, a lot of posing, a lot of makeup does that. A lot of good clothes. That's not what makes that person. Being able to be powerful in my own skin or what somebody who's trying to sell you a book for X amount of money or a program on Instagram might tell you literally came from like a couple handfuls of people that I have met along the way. The biggest scoops of my confidence came from like a junior high basketball coach, John, the ladies that I like to call my sisters from Femdom events, and like more people that if I start, I'm not going to be able to finish who have added in their scoops here and there. It has made me into a better person. Like I said before, this did not happen by itself. That whole would take a village to make a motherfucker and raise somebody, that's true. And it doesn't stop when you turn 18. Assholes can be assholes forever if somebody does not intervene at any age. People decided to intervene in me, not let me go wayward or like cause chaos. That might have been more for them than for me, but hey, either way, it worked out. Do you have a favorite type of sub? Someone that connects with you pretty well? I love nerdy service subs. <laughs> oh, let me repeat that. Nerdy, demisexual service subs. I do not want some hyped up oh, I'm going to clean your house and then at some point in time, you're going to shove something into me like, I don't know, old school floppy disk into a drive. Someone who genuinely appreciates serving for the act of service because that's their... I can fuck anybody. I can't have a conversation with a lot of people. So be someone who has good conversational skills. Social chameleon like me, drop you off in any room and I don't have to worry about you and embarrassing me inside of 30 minutes or less like a Domino's pizza. <laughs> That's all I genuinely ask out of people. Like if I release you out into the world and you are carrying my banner, 
because I'm very nerdy myself and I think of myself as a Targaryen. If you're out there carrying my banner and it says House Dark above your head or on your ass, act like it. Behave like it. Be like it. Don't fuck this up. (laughs) (laughs) I saw some of the things that you had mentioned in your biography about Frodo and Kylo Ren and all the wonderful characters. If there was a character to define you, although you are your own unique existence, which character comes the closest of all the nerdy characters to defining you? Oh, that's a good one. I can't pick one. I can't. I can't. I can't. My fandom is far, far, far too big. Like, it's going to be like, can I get a scoop of this, a little bit of column A, then like big scoops out of C and D, and like just a sprinkling of B with like, can I get like a side sauce dip of Z because I'm really a lot like Z, but only sometimes, not all the time. I don't want that on all the fries, just some of the fries I'm going to eat like that. Well, give Uh, me some of the columns you'd be pulling from. High school me, which is virtually basically still just me, Daria <laughs> from MTV. Mm-hmm. I was I was the sad girl. I was. I had no friends. I listened to the Smiths. Nobody cared. I wore black lipstick. Nobody still cared. I didn't get slightly popular until I like played football for one season. That's it. Um. Oh, that. I didn't get any real happiness from high school. I still went to a semi-segregated high school. They mm-hmm. still had separation of church and state in that mofo. Like one year you have like a black homecoming court, and the next year you have a white homecoming court. And God forbid for Hispanics and Native Americans that we had, you get nothing. That place really gives me anxiety. So I still carry that. Uh my favorite character has always been Storm, and that's always because I wanted to be somebody who could always have a control over the situation, even if it meant taking over the fucking weather. Like, and everybody can shut up. Crack of thunder. That kind of thing. Uh, with my COVID fog as of late, I find myself having tiny Harley Quinn moments here and there scattered about. Uh, I got diagnosed at the beginning of this year with COVID fog because I thought I had a stroke and now I have these moments of like sporadic we're doing stuff we're going places we're getting things done are we being the absolute best we could be while doing it nope but it's still getting done that kind of sporadic uh and my husband will always say this like when I have my down days I'm just Eeyore (laughs) all right it's whatever. Like an old Michael Jackson just going through the motion. <laughs> All those things together come together for a most beautiful person on the inside. Oh, and well, I, thank you kindly. And I and I hope people I hope people can see that. Because, you know, obviously you all are are these visions in in latex and leather and PVC, 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 
There we go. And people will see one thing, but if they can't see that person on the inside, as Natalia Sedici put it to me, if you're going to give me service while I wear latex, but won't do it while I'm wearing sweats and a hat, then you're not really wanting and seeing the real me. And it's the truth. Like, I have had men, I had a gentleman long ago and far away, like about halfway through my career, who said, leave your husband, marry me. And not just leave my husband, I will adopt this grown-ass man so that both of you are taken care of. I just want to have you as my dominatrix wife. What he really meant to say was, I want to have a gigantic, over-the-top, very powerful pseudonym of a woman drag me around by a leash to every cocktail party that will let us get away with it while doing her thing and me being the center of attention by proxy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And don't get me wrong, he was a very well-to-do man. <laughs> In my older age now, over the age of 35, it probably would have knocked the paws on me and I would have had to think about it for a minute. But back then, I was like, yeah, no, don't even want those kind of problems. That's a big old red flag for me. Now it's like, ooh, I could pay off the house and enforce her. But not being married to my husband just wouldn't be a thing. Oh, I can't even think about it. <laughs> And you've talked about your husband in such a loving way. And sometimes when people think of, of dominatrices, I, I think of Mistress Melissa, who is Melissa, who was so worried about how people would think of her becoming a mom. Would they look at me the same way? And I and Snow Mercy had always said, you never ask about anybody's sex life. And I think that's great. But love is something that is so important, not only to have, but to be able to understand in order to connect with the wonderful people that you play with or work with. Over the years of me being in this industry, I have met a lot of ladies. I have met a lot of people. I've met a lot of gentlemen. Uh, and I have met them with and without their significant others and spouses and stuff like that. And I'm not going to say this is a mass consensus, but everyone who is listening to this show, if you've been in the team for more than about three or five years, you've seen it too. People who are together for the aesthetic of being together. We do better as a duet than two solo acts. One person might be riding the coattails of another because they don't have their shit together while the person, another person might be completely put together but just hasn't made the bones yet. Or two people who are doing very well for themselves and detest the ground that each other walk on. Mm. I am not just happy or content in my marriage. I am proud of my marriage. 
I had been married to the same man, the only man that I actually married for 15 years in two days. We have no children. We do cruises. We come and go as we please when we can afford it. And I am very content with that. And I know, and I bless my stars, that I'm happy with the person that I'm with, not just dealing with the person that I'm with. I've seen so many people who fake the funk when they go and come out to public events and like, well, I had you when I got here, so I guess I got to keep you now because we're keeping up with the Joneses in the weirdest, sexiest possible way, but this is it, or we look really good together in matching outfits with matching subs on leashes because that's the brand. For the young lady who worried about, will they still like me if I have a baby? They fucking better. And if they don't, fuck them. They have no respect for you in the first place because apparently they did not see you as a human being that might give birth to <laughs> another human being because it was something you wanted to do or there's something that you and your partner wanted to do together. I know it's a fake uh, Marilyn Monroe quote, but it's still poignant. If you can't take me with my sweats and hat on, Natalie, then you don't deserve me with all of my latex. If you can't accept me with my flipper in, or if you can't accept me with my flipper out, then you don't deserve me with a beat down face looking like what you signed up for. Because I am a lot more than you signed up for. You brought your ass through the door on pretty, cute, amazing, fetishy, overpowering, domineering, whatever the fuck. But you stick around for the actual show of my breakdowns. My father died. My mother died. My everything was stolen out of my car. My bad times by not being sexy times, by not being pretty, flirty, spontaneous, as my husband says, animated times. If you can't deal with a couple bits and pieces of rain and unknown precipitation that might come along in my life, I don't want you around. So please, by all means, make yourself scared. Because if I have to do it, nobody's going to enjoy it. And on that note, we're going to take a bit of a break here. And when we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky with our guest, Mistress Mia Dark, we're going to talk about a cow in a cat suit. Because it's making me laugh the entire night. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll explain. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently, we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years. Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time, victim, survivor, and thriver, power exchange and polyamory, submissive versus wife, the Practical Contract Guide, Relationship short Shorthand, as well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years. Check it out at eroticawakening.com slash hearts and collars. 
Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? <laughs> or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, <laughs> uh, but lots of solid BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. Kink for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners written by Princessa Natasha Strange, and that's me, <laughs> is available on Amazon. Go get it now. Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur of the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. Hi there, I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on what women and other wonderful humans want. Thank you, Nookie, and welcome back to the program, joined by Mistress Mia Dark, who I'll give you a little inside baseball, as some people would call it. I keep the video on when I do an interview with someone because it helps me relate and I get to see their expressions and, and see if their eyes light up during an interview. And so when Mistress Mia came on to the program, well, I'll let you describe it. <laughs> I'm different and I have a new phone. I just switched over from Android to iOS at my niece's, my great niece's urging. Uh, so that we keep better track of each other as a family. And, and um, my Zoom profile swapped over, but not all of my presets. So my name is right. But none of my photos that I had, like a picture of myself, they were probably used for promo of this show, uh, is what I had up there last. But when I swapped over phones, it gave me no options. So I was like, well, what do I get? I get to have the Golden Gate Bridge behind me as I go shadow in and out of it, which I hate when other people do that. I have the option of, I think it was me as a spider like a realistic spider and then they had the avatars and everybody knows the ios avatars so right now at this moment i am a cow that is dressed just like cat suit and i promise my hand to six pound five ounce baby jesus over a bag of doritos i did not do this forehand i literally thought it was just going to give me the cow's head on top of my body because i'm having a bad hair day today and i desperately need a haircut 
and I didn't want anyone to see me, even though I know this video will not be seen by anyone except for Catsuit. And he broke out in hysterical, I'm going to almost pee myself laughter as soon <laughs> as he saw it. And it was the funniest ripple down reaction to seeing another person that I think I've had in quite some time. And the cow is in a cat suit. A purple cat suit, just yes. like the one you're wearing right now. <laughs> so when he did, he stopped laughing for like half a second. I was like, oh, look, we're matchies. <laughs> and the beautiful thing is I see all these amazing expressions and it just makes me smile. But also when you've talked about the serious things, it actually emotes a very serious look. And so... It has been one of the most surreal interviews I've done, but I mean, I had to tell everybody what was going on because it's so joyous as well. Well, I'm here to make the people happy, isn't that right? <laughs> well, you're making me very happy, that's for sure. You've got some events that are coming up. I know that you're getting ready for the I'm not going to call it the East Coast DomCon because New Orleans is not East Coast, but it is the more Eastern version of DomCon. You've got a lot of great things coming up. Yes, we have the Las Vegas of the South. New Orleans will be having DomCon NOLA 2023. Uh, our host hotel is, of course, the Astor Crown Plaza right on the corner of Bourbon and Canal. So we have everything or dang near everything within walking distance. And what isn't within walking distance, you can catch a jerry cab. And if it isn't a jerry cab, you can still catch an Uber. Uh, I cannot even remember which DomCon New Orleans we're on right now. We started back in 2016 and we missed out on one in 2020 with COVID. But uh, that's four, that's three, that'll be seven. This is our seventh DomCon down there. Don't get mad at me if I'm not mathing very well right now. I wasn't <laughs> expecting to have to do math on the spot. Uh, but yes, it is one of my favorites. Like between the two, I love LA. I really do. But New Orleans, at the end of the day, I'm still a fat chick. I love good food and I am a foodie. And New Orleans has all, all of the food. Not some of the food, not your favorite Cajun food. No, all of the food. If you could think of it, it is somewhere between there and the wards. Uh, I also have my own event coming up with my group Femdom Events. Uh, we will be hosting it in LA because I'll be coming back from New Orleans going straight to LA. Uh, it'll be November 1st. It's a private uh, by invitation only uh, play party. Uh, we're hoping to do good things. We're going to be using Sanctuary, like I said before. So we're going to have plenty of space, plenty of good music. And because it's me, probably plenty of good food. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. I can't do play parties where you showed up with a bag of chips and a dream. I just can't. I can't. I can't. I know some people are like, oh, it's just supposed to be light snacks. I can do light snacks. Just not <laughs> like that light. I'm not on a diet. You shouldn't be either. Like, we're here to enjoy ourselves, be served, and let people be in service to us. I feel bad if I don't feed a dog after a hunting trip, for Christ's sakes. So, like, <laughs> I just have to have those things. Uh, I actually just got finished doing an uh, interview that went live today with Matt Slayer. And 
it's this plus drinking. So it went well, not well, very well. It's <laughs> uh, and I'll be back down in Dallas. And I'm actually going to be putting up something live on my Instagram when I get done with this interview to find out who might like to have a mansion party with myself, uh, some of my Dom friends, and some of my wrestler lady friends here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which might seem like it's in the middle of nowhere, but I promise you, we're just enough in the middle of nowhere to have a lot of fun. Everything that I've spoken about, you can find through my website at justsayred.com or through my business site, Dom Events, at the M-D-O-M events.com. And that's my whole three seconds of promo. <laughs> Always got to get the plugs in there. Because the literally plugs. sometimes the plugs will go in elsewhere. But there you go. <laughs> I knew oh, that. The cow has got that. me going. <laughs> yes, that was a bad dad joke. Indeed it was. Mia, it's been an absolute honor having you on the show, and I've just enjoyed talking to you. And it's so nice to get to know the human. And you are an incredibly wonderful human that I am so glad we had an opportunity. And thanks to thanks to Jay for bringing us together because he was he said you gotta talk to Mistress Mia Dark. She is fantastic, and you indeed live up to the billing thank you so much for being with us well thank you so much for having me and my last little shout out of the evening because i always have to make sure i do it because i have the best and i know you're the cat suit but he is the cat publicist uh at fetish hardest on almost every major platform for social media jay moyes he is the shit he is one of the funniest, kindest, nicest, sweetest. I posted a video of his ass while we were at Pride. People that I know. <laughs> he had on a tail and boots. And like, it's the little wiggle when he jiggles that gets me every time. <laughs> Again, thank you. And uh, I hope that someday we will get to meet face to face. And I'm sure that you will be wearing sky high heels, which will still make me feel short at six foot four. Yeah, because usually I know in my tallest pair of uh, heel boots, platform boots that I have right now, that plus my horns brings me in at right about 17. First round draft pick in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the energy of Mistress Mia Dark. When she wrote me, she was calling me things like sugar and honey, and I just felt like I was just down home with her. It's great to see somebody who just puts everything she can into a wonderful ball of personality, power, and dominance. Here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. She is the founder of FetishCon. Genesis Lynn joins us to tell us the story of how FetishCon came to be, and what we can expect at this year's event. Genesis Lynn, next time. A new edition of the show premieres next Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to having Genesis Lynn on the program. And remember, you can join us at FetishCon. It's in St. Petersburg, Florida, August 10th through the 13th. Get your tickets at FetishCon.com. It is an amazing gathering of everything fetish and I'm very privileged to be able to present some 
content down there, including red carpet coverage, special podcasts, and maybe a few panel interviews as well. Look forward to seeing all of you at FetishCon, and if you do get down there, make sure you say, Hi there, Katsu. That's what they call me in the kink and fetish world. Otherwise, I'm known as John, and I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1. On Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast. For our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. And now, select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. 